I don't know. <laughs> Listen to them, children of the night. What music they make. It is midnight in Cozy Corner and around the world. Pour yourself a cup of coffee, put your feet up, and get ready to howl at the moon. You are listening to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Are y'all ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. What have we got tonight? Tonight we have the classic 1933 James Whale film, The Invisible Man, starring Claude Rains. I am the Coyote, and you are listening to the Late Night Fright right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Welcome, boogers of the world, creatures of the night, freaky folks of the universe, and horror movie lovers all around the world. You are listening to The Late Night Fright, right here only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Faith. This is a little strange. But I am Faith, and with me, as always, is my very talented, very wonderful, very invisible co-host, Dan. Say hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. This is a little weird, isn't it? It's a little weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's a little backwards tonight. We should we should let them know we made a decision that I usually mm-hmm. kind of as as we like to call it drive the show. Right. I drive the show, and <laughs> we thought it was time that Faith Faith took our show for a drive. And and she and has her license. It. No. <laughs> she has her license, and you're going to do a wonderful job. You're doing a wonderful job so far. Fingers crossed. We don't crash into anything. You know. I we would, have insurance. We're good. We're good. Thank you all for tuning in. We know you have a lot of options when it comes to how you spend your time, and we are absolutely delighted you decide to spend it with us. Aren't you delighted they've chosen our little show? I am absolutely delighted and very thankful for all of the listeners out there. Me too. We have a good one tonight, don't we? It's an excellent one tonight. What was that? Was that you? That was not me. I think it was. Faith, that was not me. I claim mine. That was not me. Then who was that? It wasn't me. It must have been you. you know, I claim mine, too. All right. Well, if it was neither of us, it's a mystery. All righty. Would you please tell our listeners what we are talking about tonight? We're talking about an absolute classic tonight, 1933's The Invisible Man. That's right. We are talking about the 1933 Universal Pictures film, The Invisible Man. I like this movie a lot. Did you like it? Love it. Love it. Uh, this is one of the best in the Universal canon. I know. I agree. I mean, it's. it's they up, never it's, let you down. It's it's up there for me. Yeah. Top three. <laughs> this is oh, it's it's an amazing <laughs> it's movie. It's really good. James Whale seems to be our our. He is our most talked about director on this show. This is our fourth James <laughs> Whale movie to talk about, and yeah. I love each and every one of them. Unfortunately, I think this will be our last James Whale film because I don't think there's any more of his oh, horror films no. to talk about. So it's gonna be a good one. <sighs> It is going to be a good one. 
There it is. Dan. I did not do that, Faith. That was You not told me you had eggs me. earlier, so I'm starting to believe it was you. I did. I claim mine. We have <gasps> we've made that very I don't know about all that, but I hear you have a funny story I to do, share with our listeners. I do have a funny story. We have started this on the show. We have started this little bit where we talk about funny news stories. This one is from 2013. I found this. Wait, is this one about animals? Because we tend to have a, a thing with animals going. This is not about animals, although there is an animal <laughs> involved in this. <laughs> All right. So this is from 2013. Let me just read the headline here. Intruder licks family's doorbell for three hours. Oh, my God. So this is in Salinas, California. Uh, a few years ago, a Salinas, California family had just installed a new security system, and the first incident caught was a man licking their doorbell for at least three hours. The family was away at the time, but the man also roamed their yard, picked up an extension cord, dropped it, and then urinated on the lawn. The <laughs> woman who owns the house said she was shocked when she watched the video. Can you can you believe that? She was shocked, I tell you. Just shocked. She was shocked when she released the statement. Okay. She said it was just, and I quote, weird. Wow. <laughs> It would be weird enough if he just licked right? the, the doorbell, but he licked it for three hours. And, and then, it was just weird. And then pissed in their yard. That's <laughs> that's something. You know, you can't make this stuff up. I know. So. Wow. Well, speaking of made up things, Faith, you know what time it is, don't you? It is time for the news. Time for the news indeed. <laughs> Corner is on edge this week after local butcher Ernie Meat Cleaver Coons was revealed to be a serial killer. Police found human remains perfectly severed in and around his home. Police spokesman Frank Monday says Meat Cleaver's butcher skills have made him an expert in his work as a serial killer. Ernie uses at least one of his Halloween party guests a year as a prop. We were invited to this party, Dan. It's a good thing we won't be going. We could be dead meat. Who writes this? That's awful. Well, Emmeline and Weldon Whipple are celebrating 70 years of marriage this week. Longtime Cozy Corner residents and potato salad connoisseurs are inviting the whole town to their potato salad themed celebration. BYOPS. Faith, I believe that's Bring Your Own Potato Salad. I think so. BYOPS. There it is again. Oh my gosh. That was not me. All flavors and styles are welcome. Just like what we just heard, there will be a potato salad eating contest, potato salad cook-off, and even a potato salad walk, whatever that is. Folks in town are excited to join in the celebration of love, marriage, and potato salad. Apparently, Faith, Emmeline likes when Weldon relishes her eggs with his mayonnaise. Wow. Also, the potato salad walk, I think, is similar to a cake walk. Oh. Yeah. So you're not, they're not actually walking in potato salad. <laughs> they could be. Or is it like those things where you run over hot coals? Like, do they have to run? Possibly. We just might have to go and find out first. I would like to put potato salad on a slip and slide and, uh, and do that. <laughs> uh, like, our, uh, like our daredevil buddy. I was just thinking that. Yeah, Whip uh, Strangeman. Yep. Uh, it might get him, back on the, uh, yeah. get him back on the horse. Well, an unseen, invisible force has been terrorizing neighborhoods here in Cozy Corner. 
residents say they have been experiencing things such as being knocked over, getting attacked, and getting their boobies grabbed. How horrific. Everyone is on the hunt to find the invisible thing and put a stop to it for good. Local policeman Garland Youngblood and booby enthusiast says he wants to stop anything bad from happening and wants to be the only one grabbing boobies around here. Wow. Finally, it's October. Fall is in the air. Halloween is right around the corner. Faith and I have been doing this show for how many months now, Faith? Eight months? Mm -hmm. Eight months we've been doing this show. Robert England has still not been on this show. Nope. We are very disappointed. Why he has not been on this show, we do not know. I don't know. But what we do know is he has not been on this show. We have nothing but love for him. Robert, Mm -hmm. we just want to reiterate, like we have been for the past few weeks, you have an open invite to be on this show anytime you want. I offered you $5 last week. I am now willing to offer you... Five dollars and a bag full of aluminum cans that you can recycle and redeem for, you know, I don't know how many cents you get with these, but I got a lot of them at the house. I'm willing to give these to you. See, we're doing our part to help the environment. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you five dollars and you can keep whatever you make off of turning in those aluminum cans. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a fair offer. Yes. He needs to be on our show. If you come into the studio, I will also throw in some Taco Bell. That's a very good offer. Dollar menu only, please. And that is the news. Robert England. England. Don't keep us dreaming. Come on our show, come on our show, come on our show, prime time. There it is, Faith. That song really never I gets old. I love that song. I love that it's song, It's always too. stuck in my head. Yes, it's one of my favorites. Good job at that one. Thank you. I really don't know what we have to do to get him on the show. Who is this? That is not me. I, did, I didn't say it was you. I, I can see, look, our... Uh, our karma chameleons, as we call them, our, our crew here, WKMF, Cozy Corner, we can see them through the window. They are shaking their heads. No, it is not them. I don't know who it is. I don't either. I don't know if I want to know who it is. I kind of do because it's a little odd. It, but is, it is a little odd. Whatever. I just felt something brush, brush past me, too. That's strange. Yeah, it's happenings. probably the wind from the fart hit me. It could be, yes. All right, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we are talking about 1933's The Invisible Man. I am Faith. And I am Dan. We will see you on the other side. This is uh, Harrison Ford, the uh, big HF host of The Street Dope here on uh, WKMF. Cozy Corner Public Radio. The Straight Dope is a show where I uh, talk about dope. The Straight Dope. All of my favorites. Northern Lights. Tibetan Monkey Funk. And of course my favorite. Grape Ape. 
This week's show, we're going to spotlight some of my favorite movies to watch while I'm smoking the street dope. My favorite movies to watch are Dumb and Dumber, Animal House, the uh, Pauly Shore collection of uh, Son-in-Law and Sino Man and uh, In the Army now that got at Costco on sale. We're also going to talk about my favorite comedy of all time, uh, Saving Private Ryan. I'm also going to give you the straight dope on my favorite rolling papers. <sighs> Join me, Harrison Ford in the uh, Big HF, right here on uh... Hey, what is this again? I'm Scott Rice, nine-time Comic-Con attendee, collector of action figures, both new and rare, still in the original packaging, of course, enthusiastic cosplayer, and host of Laser Beam. Pew, pew! That's Laser with a Z and Beams with a Z. WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio's new show recapping all of the week's scores from Laser Lanes. Pew Pew! Cozy Corner's premier laser tag arena and arcade. Who scored higher in Friday night's 815 round? Was it Poon Lord 69, Jizzman 69, or Rammer Jammer 69? To find out, tune in to Laser Beams. Pew Pew! Only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. Welcome back to the Late Night Fright. I am Faith. And I am Dan. It's a little different, isn't it? It is a little different. It even sounds weird having it backwards like that. It's almost as different as the straight dope with Harrison Ford. Have you listened to that yet? I did. Is it pretty good? I'm going to take the fifth. <laughs> well, we I are... don't want him to beat me up. <laughs> he might. Of course, he's probably so incapacitated right now watching Polly Shore and uh, Encino Man. That he, uh... Did he say his favorite comedy? Was Saving Private Ryan? Yeah. Okay. We really need to have a talk with him. Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think so. Will you please remind our listeners what we are talking about tonight? It would be my pleasure. We are talking about one of the classics in the Universal Monster Canon, 1933's The Invisible Man. Ooh. Ooh. It reminds me of that line from the Ghostbusters song, An Invisible Man Sleeping in Your Bed. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Maybe that's where they got it from, too, you know? It's possible. You never know. Yeah, him in his pajamas. You never, never know. You never know. Well, moviegoers all across America. Who is that? It's not me. I can tell you that. Wait a minute. Someone, wait, 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 wait. Somebody just grabbed my boobie. That was not me either. <laughs> I'm not sitting I'm not close enough to you. you to grab your boobie. Well, then who was that? I don't know, but I'm pretty sure that it's not you doing 
It's not me. The flatulation here is not me. You know, I think it would be best if we just talk about the movie. I'm trying. All right. Farts keep popping up everywhere. I don't know who it is. Anywho, moviegoers all across America got to see this movie the night it premiered on November 13th, 1933. Directed by one of our favorites here on Late Night Fright, James Whale. We really do love him, don't we? We do love him. We do. Fourth, fourth movie. Yeah. There it is oh again. Just, my just, God. just try to get through it. We have discussed James Whale a good bit here on the show with his movies such as Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and The Old Dark House, where you can find uh, biographical information on Whale. All of these episodes are available wherever podcasts can be found. That was shameless. That was a shameless plug. I know. She's trying to get it in there, you know, that's what she said. Anywho, (laughs) produced by another guy we like here at the Late Night Fright, Carl Lamley Jr. Did I ruin his name? You got it right. Perfect. And screenplay adapted by R.C. Sheriff, both who have worked alongside Whale in other films. The Invisible Man is based on the novel of the same name by H.G. Wells, published in 1897. This is... Oh, my God. That sounds... It'll be done soon, I'm I'm sure. I don't know about that. My God. Sounds like Fourth of July fireworks. It's like... Like how much fiber? Like how much? How many fiber? beans did this person eat? Yeah, you know, so much fiber. Like did he eat a wicker chair or something? You know, like I mean, that was. Uh, Faith, I got a feeling it's gonna be a weird oh, one tonight. Man. Oh my goodness! Well, you, you were saying that this was written was, by H.G. Wells, uh, I, I believe. I was. He is also the author of science fiction novel War of the Worlds. Dan, where can you find our episode of that at? You can find our episode on War of the Worlds wherever podcasts can be found. That is correct. Shameless, shameless plug. That is correct. This film has had many sequels, including one with Vincent Price as the Invisible Man and many different spinoffs loosely based off of H.G. Wells' book, and a reboot is in the works for 2020. Have you seen any of the any of the remakes? I have seen uh, one of the Vincent Price movies. I believe it was Invisible Agent, and I've seen... Hollow Man from 1999 or 2000 with Kevin Bacon, which is basically <laughs> The Invisible Man, a modern retelling. And that was by uh, Paul Verhoeven, who did I Basic Instinct. <laughs> uh, Hollow Man was a pretty neat film. This I, I still think this is the quintessential telling of, of, this, <laughs> of this novel. And I have read the novel. It's, it's pretty... For the most part, pretty spot on. It's, I read it's a really that. good. I, I read that they're very similar. How of this? Yeah. yeah. Um, I'd like to give a brief synopsis of the film, if that's okay with I you. I would love it. So, see if this sounds okay. A scientist discovers a brilliant new scientific discovery: invisibility. Only to discover his brilliance has turned him into a madman who gets pleasure out of mayhem and murder. Does that sound kind of fair? That sounds very fair. Um, the only thing I would add is that he really likes to strangle people. True. Strangula- strangulation. <laughs> strangulation. Strangulation. By invisibility. <laughs> seems to be his go-to <laughs> method. <laughs> How did he die? Of strangulation by invisibility. Strangle- I like that. Strangulation. I like it. <laughs> this movie also has a wonderful cast from Gloria Stewart. Please. She was in the old dark house. Thank you. That episode's available. Wherever podcasts can be found. Exactly. To William Harrigan, Dudley Diggs, Henry Travers, Forrester Harvey, Uno O'Connor, who I absolutely adore, 
And last but not least, the invisible man himself, Claude Rains. Mm-hmm. Claude Rains was born near London on November 10th, 1889, making his stage debut at the ripe age of 11 in Nell of Old Drury. Rains would make his American film debut as the Invisible Menace in Universal's 1933 film, The Invisible Man. He would go on to appear in classic films such as The Adventures of Robin Hood, The Wolfman. Another episode available wherever podcast can be found. Casablanca and Lawrence of Arabia. What did you think of Claude Rains here with just his voice being used and not able to see his face or emotions until pretty much the end of the movie? And what did you think of the supporting cast? First off, as with all of the James Whale films, the supporting cast is top notch. Everyone gets a chance to shine. Mm -hmm. Everyone is memorable. Everyone has a little bit of business to do. And I would also like to add that E.E. Clive is in this movie. He played the Burgomaster in Bride of Frankenstein. He makes an appearance here. So a lot of Bride of Frankenstein um, uh, commingling here. Uh, the supporting cast is absolutely wonderful from Una O'Connor doing her her bit, uh, kind of a uh, pre-mini from Bride of Frankenstein, although yeah. I think she gets a little more screen time in The Invisible Man than mm-hmm. she does in Bride. But uh, everybody is absolutely wonderful, but at the center of this is Claude Rains giving, I think, one of the great performances in horror movies, especially considering you can't see him. Exactly. Uh, his voice is everything. His body language, when you can see him, is wonderful. I think this is a great performance. This one's up there for me with Karloff as Frankenstein and Lugosi as Dracula. And uh, this, yeah, this this is top notch. He's he's right on yeah. with this. Um, I'll, I'll read you my notes here. I said, I love the choice of Claude Rains here. I was not aware of really who he was before this movie, so I didn't know what to expect. I think he definitely brings a very intense delivery to his lines, and he pops out on screen without having to even be on, on, on the screen. He most definitely has a strong standout voice that I think works here very well. He also has a very creepy sound to him that I love. Una O'Connor steals the show for me in the beginning. She's so crazy and funny, and I love watching her perform. Did you do any research kind of about this? I did not. Well, I read that James Whale would have to stop filming during her scenes in the beginning because he was laughing so hard at her. He said she was so funny. Oh, she's... He literally had to say, you know, cut just so he could laugh. (laughs) Yeah, which, and I do know that she got into Bride of Frankenstein that was written for her specifically because he had (laughs) enjoyed working with her on The Invisible Man so much. Yeah, she's she's a a delight. I love her. And usually I don't like people that are kind of, you know, over the top and too loud, but there's something about her that's just so lovable. There's something very endearing about her, that squeal, screech uh, thing. that she Uh And she does the slow burn on that so well. And what I love about her little squeal that she does in both this and Bride of Frankenstein – her hands are in it too. Like uh-huh. her hands kind of, kind of do this loping motion up and they come up next to her face <laughs> and it's just absolutely priceless. And it's, and it's over the top, but not over the top, right. it, you know, and, and you're completely right. It could be completely annoying, but yeah. this is something very just funny and I endearing. I think it depends on who uh, it is. I right. think she just has, you know, a quality that just, it kind of fits to her, you know, so it's not that annoying. <laughs> And I would like to add this about Claude Rains. We have said this before on this show that uh, the last great monster that we've had in films, it's been almost 40 years since we had a great monster that required an actor to do that role. That was A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. Freddy Krueger, played by Robert England, brilliantly played by Robert England. Exactly. And 
We've talked about this with the classic movie monster actors. Uh, which one could have played Freddy Krueger if they had made something like that back in the day? I said that I think Karloff would be the ideal choice for Fred Krueger. I would like to amend that to say that I really, in my heart, believe Claude Rains would have been the Freddy Krueger of the 30s or 40s. See that. There's something that is just absolutely wonderfully wicked about mm-hmm. him in this movie. So, and the only reason I'm saying this is because Robert England gets lumped in with the classic horror actors. Right. And, and I like, you know, you'll never get a definitive answer, but I like kind of right. looking at that like, which one of those guys could have played could have played Fred? Right. Yeah. And like I said, you don't, you don't even have to see him. Just the way. No. He he says everything. You know. I mean, that's yes. enough right there. He's so creepy. Pure malevolence too. There's nothing really gleeful about him. There's it's Not just pure pure malevolence. <laughs> so with that being said, Boris Karloff and Colin Clive were both considered for the role of the Invisible Man. There were some problems on Karloff's Inn, and Clive wanted to take a vacation. Could you have seen either one of these guys here? Yes. Um, yes to both, or yes to... I could see both of them here. I could see calling Clive easier than I could see Karloff. Mm-hmm. Karloff would have played the hell out of this, and we'd be talking about how this is one of his finest films if he had been in it, if he right. had you know, been in this. His voice was wonderful, and he could have carried this. Colin Clive had that really undone, unhinged, you know, the, the seams are coming apart. You see that in Frankenstein with the It's Alive mm-hmm. and when he's, when he's kind of going crazy. If I had to pick one, I actually would rather see what Colin Clive would have mm-hmm. done with it because he was so nutty. But I think they got the right guy in here. There's something so. just right about, you know, there's something right about Bela Lugosi as Dracula. There's something right about Karloff and Frankenstein. There's something completely right mm-hmm. about Claude Rains in The Invisible Man. It'd be really interesting to see those other guys. But I would I would go with Colin Clive, actually. I would, too. I said I don't think I could have seen Karloff. Only I think his voice is so prominent to him and so distinctive that I don't know if I could have seen him really play that without thinking of him the whole time. It would have been a different energy to it. Because, like I said, I didn't really know who Claude Rains was, so yeah. I didn't really put a face to it. So it kind of fit for me because he really was the know, invisible, invisible man, man right. literally. So... Yeah. I think that I think the decision was right, and I think he does have a um, he does have a more proper voice and stuff like that. So I think it was I think it was the right choice. I do too. I do too. So let's really get into this movie. What do you say? Let's do it. So this film is not only just a great horror film, but I think there are definitely some mystery elements here as well. Do you get that vibe, and does it work for you? That's a great point and a great question because when I was rewatching this for the show, one of the things that I was noticing was kind of the Agatha Christie. Mm-hmm. thing going on in the first 20 or so minutes when he's at the inn in uh, Ipsing, I believe is mm-hmm. the name of the village. And you could have had a whole movie set right there in a closed room, closed room murder mystery, mm-hmm. like an Agatha Christie right. thing. Yes, the mystery elements here are definitely uh, driving some of this. And with that said, there's a lot of things about this movie that I like. It's not just a straight horror film. It's an early science fiction movie. Mm-hmm really kind of the second science fiction movie after uh, Frankenstein. So James Whale is one of the fathers of horror and science Science, fiction and the combination of the two work really well together. The mystery elements, the horror elements, the comedy elements, there's some really wonderfully funny stuff going on here comedically. And we're going to talk about this a little later, but Mm -hmm. this is also one of the first really great special effects films too. (laughs) 
And, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that more as we get to it. But, uh, yeah, the mystery element, you know, this drives, it drives the right. plot. You know? No, my note on the mystery, as soon as this movie begins, we don't know who he is, why he's wearing bandages. We don't know why, he, you know, why, why is he invisible? You don't actually know that he is invisible. Um, we don't know his intentions. It's, it's kind of all one great big mystery. It's kind a, of as soon as it begins, you know, it's a slow burn of a reveal for the first, uh, for the first uh, third of the movie, I would say the now, first twenty is, or twenty-five is, minutes. Is that how the novel starts? Yes, if I remember correctly. Yes, there is some question. You're discovering who this guy okay. is. Because I don't know if it was a whale thing, but it seems like a whale thing, you know. So, yeah. so I don't know if that's technically how the novel played out in the beginning. I don't know. He is looking for a cure. I know that, and I believe he goes to the to the village. Yeah, they they took a lot of the beats, as far as I can remember from from the novel. I remember uh, it was years ago. I read the novel and watched the movie, and they were. It didn't upset me, you know. They were, right. yeah. They, it's a great adaptation of that. Like I said I feel like it's a well thing, even if it is from the book, because I never feel like he holds the viewer's hand and makes you go on the journey. Yeah, <laughs> makes you go on it kind of alone. Yeah, you know. So I don't know. I, like I said, I don't know how the book and the movie compared, but I think that's uh, very comparable. I think the I think the mystery element. It's a really good yeah. addition to it. And then don't forget too, the mystery element stays until the end of the movie because you don't even yeah. you don't even see a picture of him. Mm-hmm. You don't even know what he looks like, which Sounds is great. Good. I mean yeah. I think it's awesome. So here we have a man who has discovered the secret to becoming invisible. But to his own knowledge, he doesn't know how to go back to his own self and he's an absolute madman. Power can sometimes be too much for one person to handle. What do you think of the story here? Love it. Um one of the things you hit the nail on the head with power going to the head. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was thinking about this as we were preparing the show. I said, well, you know, absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. That has happened here. Um, he's gone mad. Makes you wonder if that madness was in him the entire time. Exactly. Or if the uh, plant that is, uh, uh, you know, fungling up his brain is is making him act this way if it was there the movie didn't really address that but it doesn't really matter he can right. he this intellectual man goes there which maybe I think that's is, part of you know right back to the mystery element you, you don't know right right um i love the story uh and, I, and again i like what you say about power corrupting i also think the movie deals with uh as we've talked about on this show too many times before opening doors that you shouldn't open he's yep. opened a door that he's gone through and he cannot come back through that door be careful what door you open. Be careful of even if you can do something, you don't necessarily have to do it. We see it in these early Universal movies. The whale films, the Frankenstein, the Invisible Man, Bride of Frankenstein, you see it. But you see it in other movies, right. too. Uh, and the, the horror comes from that. What's on the other side of that? And he becomes something less than human, even though he is still technically a human, right. you know. Um I think it's great. Yeah. I like how simple it's told. It's told in these little thirds. He's in the village. Then he's uh, conniving to, to for his world domination as it is. <laughs> and then it's the uh, the chase. You know, yeah. you get into the fugitive movie at the last third and all of them are entertaining. Does this pull you in kind of the story? Does it pull you in immediately? It pulls me in immediately when you see that figure walking in the snow mm-hmm. and then he goes into that village and you don't know why he's in those bandages. And I'm waiting the entire time. I want to see What's underneath those bandages, you know? No, I I agree. I enjoy the story a lot. I love the idea that this man's so brilliant, but he has such a tragic downfall to it, you know? I mean... 
Yeah. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, but it happens. But he's, it's. Yeah. He's very brilliant and his downfall is absolutely larger than, you know, maybe someone else's would be, you know. Yeah. And he spends all this time trying to fix what he can because yeah. you know, obviously he is brilliant, but he's unsuccessful. And again, it's it's so tragic for him. You know, I didn't even think about that. There is a real tragic tragedy element to this. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. you get the idea that he was not a bad man before this happened. Right. And he was, he really thought that this research would help the right. human race. And boy, he was And again, he's, he's so brilliant to even figure this out. So the, the fact that he can't go back, that he's not brilliant right. enough right. to go back. Right. That's where I feel like it's, you know, the, the most tragic form. Cause right. you know, so what would you say the main theme of this movie is? Uh, what I said, you know, about power, and, and you said it too, power agree, corrupting. Greed uh, and power. Greed and power and, and discovery and uh, consequences, unintended consequences, I think, is is one of the themes of this movie. I think maybe the biggest theme because he did not intend what happened to him, the, the mental aspect of right. what happened to him. Again, be very careful of the doors that you open. And I, and I want to stress this. This is a... Uh, public service announcement. I mean that uh, in the material world and spiritually, be very careful of what doors you open. I've said it on this show before. Uh-huh. Be careful. You're completely right, though. Because, <laughs> because old Satan Claus is out there. He really is. No, I think this can be uh, several things. I, I even read something about um, humanity versus science. I don't know where you kind of fall on that. Yeah, I'll go I mean, there. I could see it. I'll, I'll go there. I even saw... Some stuff about knowledge, you know. I, mean? I would I would take that idea out for dinner, but it would have to pay for for, <laughs> for its, its meal. dessert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I really think it's about excessive greed and how it can have unintended consequences. Like I said, you have a brilliant scientist; he's achieved something new and quite astonishing. But he goes mad with the power, and his downfall is insanity. He's crazy. He wants to kill yeah. everybody. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where I'm, you know, that's where I'm falling on that. <laughs> and you, you say something in your notes. I want to, I want to make sure we get this out there. You say he, he's crazy and he's homicidal. Absolutely. And he enjoys it. Enjoys every minute. He enjoys of every it. minute of it. That's the thing that's so trippy that's... about this guy Griffin is that he goes mad and has no remorse about Mm-mm. it. Forgets about his fiance Flora, played by Gloria Stewart from yep. Titanic. You know, um, this is probably when she went and got on the Titanic after exactly. after this. Yeah, she went through that diamond in the heart of the ocean. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, he he's gleeful about yeah. this. Like uh, those sounds he's making when he's uh, 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 wreaking havoc on the village. Those laughs that are coming out of him. When I heard those laughs, that uh-huh. just just blood curdling <laughs>, laughs. We were talking about Fred Krueger. I went. Claude Rains would have played Freddie. That's Freddie right there. That that cackle, yeah. that that gleeful love of that said, there's no remorse. Love, there's no, remorse. no regret. There's yeah. just pure. You just want to have pure torture on everybody. You're enjoying every single minute of it. And that, I mean, let me ask. Let me ask this question. Uh, did you feel any sympathy for him? No, I didn't either. At all. It was and, the and gleeful, very, maniacal it's very laughing. Rare. Yeah. You know because. All of these people we talk about, all these monsters, you have sympathy for him, but no, not him. He, <laughs> there's. And again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about Elm Street or, or Kruger or Wes Craven, but that's what I was picking up on mm-hmm. when I was going. There's no remorse here. This is, this is no. like England was tapping into with with Kruger, yeah, pretty much. And I mean, Claude Rains, I mean, it was really kind of chilling what he was, you know, when he went mad. It really was. I watched, I watched this movie 
uh, three times. And every single time, he really is chilling. You don't even see this person and you're terrified of him, you know? <laughs> great, great performance, yeah. yeah. So Most, mostly a vocal performance and, yeah. it's, and, it's, and it's terrifying. Yeah, it's up there. And I was thinking of James Earl Jones as Darth Vader, too. That yeah. Just that vocal performance, how great this is. And yeah. it's a wonderful movie. I know. I never actually never think about that. It's really, it's a good point. So let's talk about something a little lighter now. What do you say? Let's do that. This movie is said to be not only a horror movie, but a comedy, like you mentioned earlier. Yes. A lot like Bride of Frankenstein. Go for it. Where can you find that at? You can find that episode wherever podcasts are available. So obviously, you said it already, but do you see the comedic elements here? And if so, do they work for you? Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think that the first third of this movie, the first 20, 25 minutes are really where the comedy is. Mm -hmm. I think it gets decidedly darker as the movie goes on. But when you're with those villagers, it's really funny. Mm -hmm. And it's even, we said it's kind of chilling when he goes nuts. Right. There's even some humor to that, too, when he's uh, out there, you know, and he's uh, knocking the old man down and he throws the brick through the uh, through the window, you know, and takes the bike. You know, yes. there's some there's some humor to that, too. It's not quite as dark as it's going to get. But mm-hmm. um, no, you have Uno O'Connor, like you said, and you have E. Clive in there and you have all these great performances that are just it's really funny. It really is. It really and is. I can see why funny. James Whale had to stop for Uno, uh, Uno O'Connor because she just makes me laugh so hard. She's you, screaming. You could have done a whole movie with her and her husband in this movie, the uh, innkeeper. You really could. I mean, they were they were just absolutely. Yeah, I said everything hysterical. from her over the top performance to when the Invisible Man is sitting there headless and he's just wearing pajamas. I don't know why that cracks me up, but it just does. Why do you need pajamas if you? Right. Okay. I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to bring it up later. Can we just take a moment and appreciate the fact that the guy is naked for most of this movie yes. and is killing <laughs> naked? And I love the scene where he takes off his clothes in front of her mm-hmm. because there was some really sly little James Whale things in there. Because mm-hmm. if you think of there was one scene I was watching and he took the shirt off and it was just the pants. And you don't hear the zipper. You don't see him undo the zipper. But the way he's dancing around in that room and going hee 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 like this, I just got the feeling that his dangling is just hanging out. And he's like dangling it and dancing in front of her. You know the scene I'm talking about. And I'm going, James Whale is having a ball with this, you know. And he's probably thinking to himself, I snuck this past the censor. Like, they do make mention of the fact that he's naked. You know, so I mean, that is part of the plot, a plot point. But. I know James Will was probably like, I got this past the, uh, since, I mean, I was thinking about some of the things he was doing naked and I was just laughing, you know, walking out in the snow, you know, strangling, you know, strangling these guys, you know, sneaking up on someone and he's (laughs) naked, you know? (laughs) But that's why, that's why the pajamas make me laugh so hard because why do you need them? I mean, right. All right. Time to go to bed. You can't see me, but here's my striped pajama set. Right. Right. (laughs) I don't know why that cracks me up. Yeah, there there are some uh, intentionally funny things and some unintentionally funny things in the movie, too. So, well, Let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll talk a little more on 1933's The Invisible Man. I am Faith. And I am Dan. We will see you on the other side. I'm Scott Rice with an update from Razor Games. Pew, pew. Tonight's high scores. 
Juice through 69 scored 885,000 points in laser tag. He also had 321 CK. That's confirmed kills. Sugar Tit 69 got a perfect score in Skee-Ball. And her twin sister Pumpkin Tit 69 spent all night playing Donkey Kong and never got past the first screen. Join me, Scott Rice, for laser beams. Pew pew, only on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. That's laser with a Z and beams with a Z. Pew pew. This song is really good. Pew pew. This is Jeff Fanghorn with the WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio News Update. Shock in the scientific community. Apparently, Cozy Corner resident Junior Watson has ingested an invisibility formula formulated by local scientist Dr. Palladium. You may remember Dr. Palladium as the inventor of the murder bot. Dr. Palladium, what can you tell us about the invisibility formula? Well, you idiot, I shouldn't have to explain it. I think it is self-explanatory in the title. It is an invisibility formula. It makes you invisible. How did Junior Watson come into possession of the invisibility formula? What am I supposed to do? Keep track of all that redneck's comings and goings? He got it to my laboratory. He probably thought it was a beer or... Absinthe, it did have a green coloration to it. All I know is that he is running free in Cozy Corner. He has been left to his own devices. No one can see him. He will do as he pleases. Be wary, Cozy Corner. Well, you heard it here first. I would also like to add that there was a robbery at Biff Buchanan's Burrito Barn. Apparently, a whole tray of burritos has gone missing. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Junior Watson or the burritos from Biff Buchanan's Burrito Barn, please contact your local authorities. I'm Jeff Fanghorn, and this has been a WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio News Update. Welcome back to The Late Night Fright, right here on WKMF Cozy Corner Public Radio. I am Faith. And I am Dan. And we just got a news update that apparently this invisible person that we mentioned in our news earlier is actually Junior Walker. Junior Walker, God damn it! Faith, I think we know who's been farting in the studio all night. I just put two and two together. I believe he took the burritos from Biff Buchanan's Burrito Barn. I'm sure of it. And I'm pretty sure that he's the one that's been grabbing boobies. Uh-huh. Yeah. I think that's who it is. I'm sorry. Junior Watson. Junior Watson. So yeah, if He's you're, playing quiet right now, huh? Yeah. So if you're in here with us, you know, can you try and lay off of the farts? Because it's kind of irritating. Just a little bit. It really is irritating. I mean, Please, Junior, just do us a favor. Keep it to yourself. Oh. Of course. 
That's what you get That's exactly. for saying his name wrong. Um, before we finish up our discussion of The Invisible Man, can I say something? Sure. I would just like to extend my congratulations to JizzDouche69 for his 321 CK in laser tag. That's confirmed kills. Yeah. I wonder if they spell confirmed kills with a Z, too. Probably. That's, that's a confirmed kill right there. <laughs> I wonder, but I wonder if they spell confirmed kills with a Z. Pew, pew. You'll have to find out because that's a really good question. <laughs> that, is, that is a great question. So, so do you want to get back into... I would love to get that. No. Oh. Faith? Faith? You're saying it like it's me doing it. <laughs> I believe Junior might be in some gastrointestinal. Uh, well, I'm assuming distress. that's my revenge for calling him Junior Walker. For the Junior, what? God damn it! I, I'm just, I'm just stating what I had said before. Even invisible, he yells. Gosh, he's an angry little man. Well, let's 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 get back into it. Let's just try to finish this. All up. right, let let's finish our discussion on 1933, the Invisible Man, shall we? And I'd just like to add that that is what happens when you have absolute power. You end up in the radio station farting on the... Gosh, you have all the things that you could do. On the beleaguered co-host of this <sighs> humble radio program. So, yes. let's talk about the set design and the overall look of this film. Is there anything that you liked or that stood out to you? Love the sets in this movie. Love the look of the uh, the inn. Love mm-hmm. the look of the, uh, the mansion that the uh, doctor was living in that he went and accosted to help him in his... Scheme for world domination, uh, but I really like the look of the of the inn. I love the costumes too. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the look of uh, Claude Rains done up as the Invisible Man with the bandages on his face and the goggles, yeah, that, the hat. That was creepy enough. Just <laughs> very creepy enough. What did that remind you of? Did it remind you of anything? Because when I was watching it this time, I hmm. it reminded me. Of the Tuscan Raiders, the Sand People from yes. Star Wars, the goggles. That's, yes, didn't it? Didn't it remind I, you? I, I, I didn't think about it when I was watching it, but now that you mention it, I can see it. Yeah, and the wrapped up yes. bandage, bandage look to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's it's creepy enough, but no, I really liked the look of is it Lionhead's Den? Is that what it's called? Uh, yes, I believe. Yes, I like the way the windows looked. For some reason, I think that was the mansion that I'm thinking of with the windows. I don't know why yeah. they stood out to me for some reason. Yeah. And I think every scene looked wonderful and the black and whites were bright and they popped and they never looked too white or like that bleached look, you know, that whitewash yeah. kind of look. We um, we say this a lot about these old Universal films because we watch them digitally and they've been digitally restored and they're, you know, Blu-ray quality. Mm-hmm. They all look absolutely wonderful. And maybe there's something in the back of my mind where I think, well, this movie is 80 some odd years old and this this uh, wouldn't look as good as a modern movie. I actually think this looks better than a lot of modern movies. I was going to say that it's 86 years old, 86 years old. Yeah. And I can't believe that it is. And and um, the more that I watch these old films, I actually prefer these movies more than anything made today. Is there any any particular reason for that? I really don't know. Maybe it was because of that time and I'm watching these people do these things that are new mm-hmm. and inventive mm-hmm. and maybe that's one thing, but... There's a discovery of these, this whole other world yeah, of film the, out there. Yeah, but there's just know? something so unique about them. I don't know. I know there's so much CGI and things done today, but I feel like it can be overboard in a lot of movies and I don't know. I just like the way these old movies were made. 
They're beautiful. Me too. Me this too. movie, and, I think, is gorgeous. Yeah, and we'll get into into that because I see what your next uh, yes. what your next uh, question yes. is. Yes, I say well. One thing we absolutely have to talk about with this film is the special effects we have going on here. What are your thoughts on them? I think this is one of the greatest special effects movies ever made. I think this movie might even possibly be underrated when it comes to the special effects yeah. because uh, modern audiences hold up movies like uh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so, the original Star Wars, and that all all of the Star Wars movies. Uh, rightfully so, movies like um, Jurassic Park, of course, mm-hmm. Terminator Two with the CGI breakthroughs. Uh, this is possibly one of the greatest special effects movies ever made. I was watching this movie. What did we say? Eighty six years old. Mm-hmm. This movie is. Yep. I was watching this movie, going, "How did they do that?" Right. And I heard from some uh, from some special effects experts in the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was watching it, uh, talking about it, and he goes. I do this for a living and I'm going, how did they do this? I read that myself. <laughs> yeah. How did they make this happen? Right. And flawlessly. And I didn't even really see the, uh, the quote unquote strings, yeah. you know, that you would think you'd see like mm-hmm. some lines and think, no, it was pretty flawless. I know. Yeah. I know. James Whale. So he directed, as we said, one of the greatest horror films, science fiction films, and really took special effects and film to another level. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. No, I was, um, I was mesmerized watching this it was my first time so the special effects were just incredible I, you, like you said I could not wrap my head around how they did this in the early 30s and then and it's not because it's so old and you think like oh they didn't know how to do these things back then right. you know they it's flawless right it just well, I'm saying you, you look at it at an age now this is like the digital time of stuff so yeah. everybody can just plug stuff into a computer right. oh it's done it's just like right. so you think how these people really like, well, you know, what were they using? I mean, you know, so it's really kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. And so fluid, too, I they know. were. You know, it was, it, this is an amazing film I know. on a lot of levels. And so I looked it up, how they did this, and I think I appreciate and love the movie a little more than I did because it was not easy one bit. Um, would you like me to share with you how it was done? Yes, please. Did you, did you actually look up any of this? I saw that you had, uh-huh. and I wanted to wait for it here on the show, because there was, I'm not going to lie, there was a part of me that is so enamored with this that I don't want to see how the sausage was made, <laughs> but then there's the other part of me going, I got to know right? how they did this, yeah, because it's like a magic trick, right. you know? Right. So yeah, there's there's a good bit to it, so it's, it's not easy. First, the scene would be shot with all of the actors, and then Claude Rains was dressed from head to toe in black velvet tights, black gloves, and a black helmet. And by the way, he was uh, he was claustrophobic. I know. And he had to wear, he only had like a little tube to breathe out yeah. of. So you can imagine. More props to him for yeah. this. Um, then the Invisible Man's clothes would be placed on top and shot against a black background. One mat would be cut for his figure and another for the background. There would be four negatives printed together with all of the imperfection fixed by hand. Tex would use only tiny brushes and opaque dye while working on the footage looking through microscopes. 64,000 individual frames or half of the film's runtime had to be retouched one frame at a time. That does not sound easy. And that's on At film. All. They're having to cut. They're having to literally cut that. I know. You know, that's not, you know, run it through a computer. That is on film. I know. That is time consuming and delicate, delicate I mean, work, would specialized you, work. Would you want to do that? 
<laughs> no, I would not want to do it. I would love to see the finished product, though. You know. <laughs> no. So again, I think it makes me appreciate the movie a little more, knowing what they went through to, to you know, to make it. You know. I I think this is the most impressive special effects movie of the Universal uh, movies that we've done so far, and. Yeah. Uh, like I said, seamless and flawless. And now, especially knowing what they went through to do this, it's it's even more impressive. Yeah, you have to look at it almost as a labor of love or right. a quest to finish the damn movie. Exactly. You know. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, what do you think about how it was made? Obviously, uh, it's a lot of work. I think it was a task for Hercules, and um, <laughs> but I think no. All kidding aside, I think James Whale. We've talked about him quite a bit here, as mm-hmm. we said. His skills as an art director and his imagination and venomness, I think, really carried this through to the finish line. Yeah. There were great people over at Universal, but but his skill, yeah. he was I, I'm sure he was in there trying to figure out how they were going to do this. Right. And I think it's really wonderful. But I also want to talk about the fact that they used the special effects here in service of the story. Right. This is this is a story with special effects. This is not special effects. Right. For the sake of special effects. George Lucas talks about story and special effects as related to the uh, the Star Wars films. And he says, you know, a special effect is a tool to tell a story. Right. I feel like they did this here. This wasn't a look at what we can do. And there was never that moment where they just linger on him a little, you know, and let you see. You, you get glimpses, you know. He's telling a story using these effects. Right. You know, he was um, James Whale was he was a master. He's incredible. And um I said that Claude Rains was claustrophobic. I read that he had to use his stunt double quite a lot. He was actually shorter than him. Did you ever notice that? Because I actually never really. I never. No, I never, I never did. Noticed it. I never did. <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I definitely could not do that. I'm claustrophobic. No. Okay, I could. I couldn't no. do it. Could not. So one of our favorite things to talk about: the score for The Invisible Man was Indeed. made by composer Hans Romheld. Is that correct? Uh, that's what we're going with. <laughs> we're going to call him uh, Heinz. That's what no, we're going to call him. Heinz, Heinz. 57. We're going to call him 57. <laughs> I think it is absolutely beautiful, and I love the intensity of it. What are your thoughts on the music? I agree with everything you said there. I also love the fact that they don't use music a lot in this movie at times. I, I felt like they were uh, very judicious with their use of it. And uh, the, the main theme, mm-hmm. gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And I would like to add one of the first Universal movies in the chronology here to not use Swan Lake. I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> so I was really looking this up, and I was like, "Okay, yes, yeah, see, they didn't, they didn't use that here." But I, I noticed that there were, um, there were some other songs they used when I looked it up. But yeah, yeah, there was there was some incidental score like in there too. Different people or yeah. something. But yeah, it's yeah. a wonderful score though. It really is. And finally, my last question. At the end of the movie, the Invisible Man, played by Claude Rains, finally shows his face on screen. What do you think of the ending, and do you like that his face was finally shown? Yes, I do like that his face was finally shown. I like the fact that he's just a normal-looking guy. He's an average guy. Right. Um, I think Claude Rains deserved to be seen on screen for just at least a moment. Oh, yeah, me too. Absolutely. There. Uh, I would have felt cheated if I hadn't seen him actually for, you know, cause he's so good and you want to see him, you know? Uh, no, I think it's wonderful. What did you, what did you think of it? I'm right there with you. It was, it was nice to put uh, a face to him cause I, I didn't do any research. We didn't, we didn't pick this movie actually. 
know? Yeah, we really we did mention that. I, we we were going to do it. It's on the. It was on the master right, list, but not for this week. Not for the Universal October. Right. And I went in it just watching it for the sake of it. You right. Know? There are five thousand free movies on TV right now for Halloween. I picked this one and I fell in love with it. So, like I said, I didn't know what he looked like. So <laughs> it's a nice little nice little touch to see him at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think uh, I think he, he needed, he earned to be on screen at least for, for a moment. I really thought, it had been a little while since I'd seen it. I thought maybe there was a picture of him possibly that they were going to show somewhere when he was in the house yeah. with, uh, I forget the doctor's name, but the one he wanted to... Uh, you know, he was using, wanted to use as his, you know, I can't remember nefarious him. henchman for right. his world domination. <laughs> um, yeah, I thought there maybe we would see a picture of him possibly to give an idea of who this guy was. But uh, no, I think waiting until the end was 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 a good and right decision. Yeah, yeah James Well, James Well, he knew he knew what yeah, he was he, doing. He knew, yeah, exactly. Do you have any favorites to take away from this film? I. I like the scene where he's wreaking havoc on the town. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Uno O'Connor's performance. Claude Rains, I think, is absolutely brilliant. I like that you spend some time with the police. Mm-hmm. I like seeing the little methods they were going to try and use to capture him, which I thought were great and I thought mm-hmm. very practical. And uh, I like seeing them go through that, trying to uh, apprehend him. Yeah, and uh, I, I really just like the movie. And I have to say, I'm a fan of these old movies, these Universal monster movies. I kind of forget about this one. Yeah. I, I kind of, I think this might get overlooked a little sometimes. I think so. This, because it's not Frankenstein or Dracula. Mm-hmm. It's not Bride of Frankenstein or The Mummy. True. It's, uh, it's its own thing. I mean, I don't know how you could really overlook it, though. It's such a good movie. It really yeah, is. Yeah, it's I wonderful. Mean, this is It's this one of my really favorites good. I've seen in a long time, so. He's a naked man who likes to strangle people. <laughs> In the cold. <laughs> Is that how you're going to tell how somebody I'm you up, know? That's how I'm summing up this movie. So what's the movie about? You know, there you go. He's a mad naked scientist who likes to <laughs> strangle people. Who even tells you, I'll throttle you. <laughs> and put a warm rug in the back, huh? I'm naked back here, huh, man? Put a warm rug in the back. Let me think about my favorites, man. I, I really just want to say all of them because I love everything going on here. I would also I would also like to add just that first scene too when he's walking. Yeah. I like I like that scene. I really like when the villagers and the policemen come up and he's, you know, showing who he is, taking a little yeah. piece off. I mean, everything is just yeah. done so well here. The increasing levels of madness are <laughs> nice. I think Claude Rains plays that really well. I think the whole thing is just amazing. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners about this movie? This uh, has been bandied about, as you said, about being remade with Johnny Depp possibly playing Griffin. No, I actually, actually. So uh, that was part of the dark universe that they were trying to do. Then. They are not doing. I, I thought I had this in the notes, but I guess I removed it. I don't think it's going to be anything about that anymore. Johnny Depp is not going to be in okay. it. They pick some other people and I have never heard of them. So okay. it's going to be something totally off. Okay. I think in 2017, the idea, or maybe 19. One of the years he was the in, idea was dropped because it had just because the mummy just just yeah. just uh, flatlined mm-hmm. upon arrival. Let me ask you this because we're doing Universal October mm-hmm. here and talking about these uh, monster movies. Yeah, they were trying to do the Marvel Cinematic Universe with their monsters, mm-hmm. kind of reclaim that because they are the first cinematic universe. Right. What do you think? Uh, we're not getting that the dark universe as they were going to call it. What do you would you have liked to have seen that? Yes and no. <laughs> yeah. I, I think it'd be cool to see what they could do. 
But no, because I, I mean, I really like these classics, so it'd be really hard to to watch them. Does it make any sense? You know, that I mean? makes complete sense, and I'm I'm right there with you. And when I heard like, oh, they're gonna have Johnny Depp play the Invisible Man, I'm like, why? Yeah. And I love Johnny Depp, yeah, but me like, too, obviously, why? You know, Javier Bardem is Frankenstein's monster. I feel like why? it would have been the Invisible Man sounding like Captain Jack Sparrow or something. Oh, <laughs> you know well, I'm Invisible Man. <laughs> I just don't know. That would have worked. I don't know. But. Hey, man, I'm going to throttle you, man. That's, that's, that's about as good as it gets on the Johnny Depp. You just kind of slur and drawl yeah. everything out. Hey, man. Yeah, so, I mean. I'm invisible. I, I would, ate an Indian flower, man. <laughs> that's that, terrible, Johnny I, said, I don't think that sounds like him to me. No, it doesn't. It's terrible. It's awful. We're going to edit that out. No, we're not. We're keeping it. No. Live so, radio. do you know what's coming up next? Yes, I, I think I do. Uh, <laughs> you think? What is coming up next, Faith? We are going to play our spooky music picks for this week. <gasps> I thought you meant what movie. Oh, I meant what's coming next. up next on our show oh. right now. But you can tell them what's coming up next week. Well, we, we have a decision to make on that, don't we? <laughs> do we? I think we do. Is it is it Creature from the Black Lagoon? Oh, the one that we were playing. That we were planning <laughs> on doing this week? Or is it... The Phantom of the Opera. Oh, we're doing Phantom of the Opera. Let's do Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. Lon Chaney. Mm-hmm. Do you know who played the Phantom of the Opera in the 40s version that they did? <gasps> I feel like I know. Claude Rains. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> Spooky music picks. Who's going first? You can go first. So, I picked a really wonderful piece of classical music. This is probably most famous to listeners as being in the end of Fantasia. This is Night on Bald Mountain. That's right. Night on Bald Mountain. <laughs> There's no joke. You have nothing. I, I, I thought for sure there was going to be. I'm, I'm giggling some, too hard. Giggling, <laughs> giggling too hard. Uh, this is a wonderful piece of spooky music that has been adapted even as a disco tune called Night on Disco Mountain that was uh, played in the John Travolta film Saturday Night Fever. But this here, this is uh, Leonard Bernstein conducting Night on Bald Mountain. We'll see you on the other side of this.
Well, there you have it, Faith. Mazorski's Night on Bald Mountain from 1867. That is based on uh, a witch's Sabbath. He was doing some reading of Russian folklore and things like that. I think it's a wonderful piece of music. Just absolutely Beautiful. creepy, mm-hmm. wonderful, dark, and it's got some light in there, too. A lot of textures in that. Dark and light. Dark and light. <laughs> Life and death, everything in between. Oh, that's a really nice pick. What is your pick for spooky October music, Halloween fest? I picked a song that I listen to every year before that, it, you know, it's getting close to Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is called It's Almost Halloween because it literally almost is. It is. Um, from Panic at the Disco. Very good. When I listened to them years ago. Okay. So it's from, I think, 2009, I want to say. It's a fun little song. All right. I think people will like it. Let's play it. Let's play it. Here we go. We'll see you on the other side.
That was a good pick, Faith. It's a lot of fun. It's kind of got a Suzy Q vibe from Credence Clearwater Revival. Yeah. And one. kind of a classic 60s sound, too, with exactly. the... Uh, kind of remind me of something the zombies would have done. Mm-hmm. And kind of got that surf guitar a la the, uh, the Munsters. Yes. You know? Good tune. I just think it's a lot of fun. And it's almost Halloween, so... It is almost Halloween. Yeah. So yes. That was a good pick. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's getting to be that time. It is. You know, um, Junior Watson has you apparently... You almost said Walker looked like. I know. <laughs> but uh, Junior Watson has apparently been in the studio with us tonight. Yes. Uh, I knew Ju- I felt somebody watching me. I know. Me too. God. Yeah. Uh, usually in Cozy Corner, I feel like people are watching me. But yes, I felt more like that tonight yes. than usual. Junior, would you like to say goodnight before we say goodnight? Goodnight, you freak peckerheads. Very eloquent. He's not a very pleasant person. Oh He's really not very pleasant. I hear the music. I hear the music, too. You know what that means. I know what it means. It's time to say goodbye. It is. So sad. I think we've had a good show. I think we have two. Congratulations on driving the show tonight. Thank you. I hope I did you proud. Oh, you did me very proud. <laughs> it was great. It's great. It was great sitting here uh, writing. You know, we're going to have to do this again. We should. This, is, this has been great. But uh, thank you sincerely from both of us for tuning into our humble little show. Faith, let's do it. May your coffin be cozy and your sarcophagus warm. May the light of the moon keep you safe from harm. Be you vampire, spook, specter, or beast. Always remember, keep keep your your monster monster on a leash. leash. We will see you on the other side. This is a coyote for the late night fright with Dan and Faith right here on WKMF. Cozy Corner Public Radio. Remember, old Satan Claus is out there, kids. Be careful of what door you open. We hope you got good vibes from this show tonight. And when you're out in that world and you can't find them vibes, look deep inside your heart. They're right there waiting for you.